What's going on, everybody? Once again, it's your boy here, man. Coach Jamil, 5-6-Ace Sports Podcast. I'm in the studio again, man. I'm coming back with a couple topics that we're going to discuss. And what I want to do is I want to start off with this first one. And I, I made a... Uh, in one of our previous episodes, we talked about uh, the NSAA recruiting profile. So I had a lot of inboxes and people come, uh, people reaching out to me to ask me about other companies, other companies that help their kids in a recruiting phase. Who can they go to? Can they trust? How do they know is authentic? So I started doing it a little more research. Oh, let me take a little sip. I started doing a little more research, and this is what I found out, and it was shocking. It was very shocking. Parents, be very mindful when it comes to signing up to these recruiting programs. So there's a lot of recruiting programs out there that you pay thousands of dollars for. And they tell you that, oh, we're going to put your kid on the radar. We're going to put him in front of uh, college coaches. We're going to do X, Y and Z for your child. Listen, majority of them, what they're doing. Yeah, they're going to create a profile for you. um, And then. They're going to sell your email address or your child's email address to these colleges. So all of these colleges, guess what? You start getting emails from all these colleges about special invites to football camps, um, special invites to clinics, come to a game. You get a lot of these invites. So the first thing in your head, you're thinking like, oh, my oh, my gosh. Wow. This school is recruiting my son. This school is recruiting my child. Oh, my. We need to go ahead and pay to go to this camp or we need to pay to go to this showcase. We need to we need to go up there and we need to fly to go to this game there. Invite him to come to the game. Listen, a lot of times at these colleges, they have a, a intern um, that's somebody that's sitting there, get all these email addresses and they're blasting everybody the same email until you start receiving direct text messages and direct messages from the actual coach. That position coach or that coordinator or that head coach or your are co- you you spoken to that coach or whatever it may be is very skeptical. And let me tell you something. A lot of these coaches, a lot of these coaches at these schools within their contracts, when they do camps or they do clinics, the money that they charge you, it goes right to them. That money goes into their pocket. All right. So they're able to negotiate these things within their contracts and say, OK, look, whatever camps you do, whatever money you get uh, from these camps, that's yours. So that's almost like a bonus. So guess what they have to do? They have to market themselves. They have to market to try to get as many kids as possible to their camps. You know, when I look at camps at some of these big schools, especially these SEC schools, you look at Alabama. They're getting almost 200, 300 kids at each camp that they do. And they may have camps. They may have a camp, a week long camp every day is a different group of kids. You know, most of these camps are costing, you know, between 20, 65 dollars. So you do the math. You do the math on how much money these coaches are making just off camp. So what they have to do is they go out and they hire these recruiting companies to go ahead and blast. I mean, to get these email accounts so that they can blast your email and send you all of this spam about coming to their camps. All right. So you got to be very mindful. So you got to look into it. And I've had some some parents reach out to me in regards to this. Uh, Is this legit? Do you think they're really recruiting him? Guess what? I'm getting on the phone call. I'm going to try to call one of the coaches. Hey, are you recruiting this kid? And some of these coaches are saying, oh, no, nah, I never even heard of him or I didn't know he's not on our radar. What you just sent this kid an email. So, you you know, at that given point that it's coming from one of their interns or they're, they're just trying to get people on campus is a recruiting tool. It's also a marketing tool, because think about it. If I get you to if I get you to come to one of my games, it don't cost me anything to let you come into a game for free. It doesn't cost me anything to you as a as a recruit. You get on my campus, I get you in a game for free. Guess what you're going to do while you're there? You're going to have your phone. 
You're going to take selfies. You're going to post pictures. Oh, I'm visiting Fortune Spoons University or whatever the school may be. I'm visiting this school. I'm having fun. That's marketing for that institution. Parents, students, be mindful. Um, Don't fall for that bait and switch. Don't fall for that email. Yeah, they're getting you excited. But there's a little more to this recruiting process that's just than what you see with all of these recruiting programs out there trying to make money off you. Um, So be mindful. Don't pay thousands of dollars. At the end of the day, you still got to put out on the field. You still got to get your grades in the classroom. Your coach is there. A lot of coaches, a lot of people saying their coaches are not helping them. But at the end of the day, you got to be very mindful and don't fall for that that bait and switch and don't fall for the okie doke. As I should say, with these recruiting programs paying all of that money, don't do it. All right. So now let's jump into a little bit of uh, football here, high school sports, the wind down here in Palm Beach County, uh, five, six, one. I call it the five, six, ace. No schools in Palm Beach County made it to the state finals. Shocking. Not really shocking, but it's disappointing. No schools made it. Yeah, there are a couple schools that I think that I've seen at the beginning of the year that could have been that made a run and that could have made a run in the finals. Um, you know, making it to that state title. One one is uh, Palm Beach Central. Another one, uh, St. Andrews. You know, you look at Atlantic. These are schools that are powerhouses in the county. Cardinal Newman is a, is a true powerhouse. However, they got to make it through probably one of the toughest programs in the country is Chaminade, which I don't see that really happening um, whatsoever. So that's that's that stills them right there. You know, stops them from going going any further than than where they can go. Uh, so. This is the thing. There was a game of the year. There were a couple games of the year that I must say, this is me personally, that I think was some of the top games and top competition in the county. I mean, when you look at the Cardinal Newman Atlantic high game, came down to overtime. I mean, that game, Cardinal Newman lost their starting quarterback, brought in a young freshman or sophomore quarterback. Um, You know, Atlantic, you know, Atlantic struggled offensively uh, that game. The defense was on the field. Uh, some can come back and say that in overtime, Atlantic should have gave the ball to Jaden Parrish down in the red zone to pound the ball in. Um, it, it could have been a different game. It's happened for them all year. They didn't make that decision. Uh, Cardinal Newman came out on top in overtime. Cardinal, Cardinal Newman offense stepped up when they needed to. They made an awesome run in, in overtime. Cardinal Newman won that game. The next game was another game that went in overtime, St. Andrews and West Boca. Probably you have it was some elite talent on that field. Jackson Parks, uh, Dylan Myers on, on the St. Andrews side, uh, Faison, uh, you got Teddy Hoffman. Then on, on the West Boca side, Xavier Reed leading that, that defensive front. Uh, you got JVM Mallory. Uh, you got Mason Mallory at the quarterback. Listen, that game came down in overtime. I don't know if it was double overtime or not, but it came down in overtime and on an inch yard line, St. Andrews was able to stop West Boca a few times. And then West Boca, I mean, St. Andrews got the ball. They kicked the field goal. They won in overtime. That was a hell of, hell of a game. I don't think anybody was expecting that because West Boca had just crushed St. Andrews the year before that. Now to come back, St. Andrews uh, came back and won in overtime. You got to really look at that. That series is going to be a... a that's going to be a matchmaker, and that's going to be a rival, an in-city rival uh, for years to come. The other game, Palm Beach Central and Benjamin. Benjamin came in as a, as a team that was supposed to win this game. Benjamin came in as a team that was just supposed to win and, and beat Palm Beach Central. but And they took the lead early, but Palm Beach Central was able to come back. That game right there was a stellar game as well. 
those are my three top games when you talk about the, the games of the year. Now, when we talk about the upset of the year, the upset of the year in Palm Beach County, Atlantic High versus West Boca. Anytime you you even mention anything in Delray versus anything in Boca, everybody's going to say Delray is going to win, no matter what it may be. That's just that. However, the first round of the playoffs, you have West Boca versus Atlantic. At Atlantic, West Boca came to Delray. All right. So listen, there was a lot of controversy at the end, and it, it calls it call. I think it calls families to split up. When this thing hit social media that night after the game, after that Friday night game, it was so crazy. But I want to I want to go ahead and rewind back to that Sunday before that Friday night. The state releases the brackets just like they do in college football. Who's going to play who in the playoffs? So they went down the brackets for this district and they said, West Boca, number such and such will go to Atlantic High School. The kids, if you watch the video, the kids at West Boca in their library, that team, them kids were so excited. Like they were not at any way given shape, intimidated by coming to Delray Beach playing Atlantic High School. Years ago, it probably would have been a different story. However, the kids that I've seen in that video that hit social media, when they announced that they were playing Atlantic High School, these kids got excited. They were hyped. They said, you know what? This is this is our chance to show people that we are the real deal. And they came out on the field. And I guess the coaches felt the same way because I truly think that they prepared their team to come out and show that they are the real deal. So and let's go through this game. A lot of people can sit back and say, you know what, man, this game should be over by halftime. When you look at the talent and the skill set and the experience that's on the Atlantic side of the ball compared to what's on the other side of the ball with West Boca. Guess what? That should have been the case. But however, like a lot of people saying, with the mix-up that happened with Florida State, not getting into the playoffs, guess what? Everything is played in between the lines right now on the field. Come out. First quarter, Atlantic drives the ball, probably 80-yard drive. They Jaden Paris running in 7-0. Come back, Atlantic gets the stop. Second drive, Atlantic driving again. About to go up 14-0. They get close down to the red zone. Lincoln Graff throws an interception. Ball is tipped off Jaden Paris' hand. West Boca gets the ball. Guess what they do? Drive the ball downfield and scores. Javier Mallory had like three or four carries on that drive to say, like, listen, we're here. We're here. We're about to make it happen. All right. So going into the fourth quarter, I think the score was almost, the score was 14-14 going into the fourth quarter. Atlantic scores. They take the lead, um, and I think they go up 20 to 14 or, or something of that sort. They go up 20 to 14. Now, Atlantic takes the lead late in the fourth quarter. They're up. No, my bad. I'm sorry. You know what? I messed that up. West Boca takes the lead. All right? West Boca takes the lead. Atlantic comes back and takes the lead. So Atlantic goes up. All right? When Atlantic is up, I think there's only there's a couple, not even, there's like a minute or something left in the game itself. However, when Atlantic scores, they get a penalty. That penalty, the penalty is big. It's like less than a minute left. West Boca thought they had won the game already because they had to score and they were up. Well, less than a minute left. Lincoln Grav leads his team down the field. Guess what? Atlantic scores. Coaches do something. They run on the field. They celebrate. They get a penalty. West Boca decides to take the penalty on a kickoff. All right. That gives them perfect field position. 
uh, West Boca gets the ball. They're driving. It's less than a minute left in the game. Less than a minute left in the game. West Boca is down. Okay. They're driving the ball downfield. It's third down and probably like 15. Third down and 15. Guess what? Atlantic coaches gets another penalty. It's another penalty on Atlantic High's coaches. So that gives West Boca first down. It gives them another chance to throw the ball up in the air. There's only probably like 10, eight, eight to 10 seconds left in the game at this given point. Ball's on the, the 30 to 40 yard line. But I can tell you this, if that penalty didn't happen by the Atlantic High coaches talking to the refs on sportsmanlike conduct or whatever it may be, um, that penalty doesn't happen. West Boca's quarterback, he's a decent quarterback, a young guy, but he he's not throwing the ball 70 yards into the end zone. However, you gave him a shot. You brought the ball up closer, all right, threw the ball with like eight seconds left. Time expires, ball in air. Everybody right now, you can hear a pin drop in the stadium. Everybody is quiet. Ball tips by three people's hands. Next thing you know, one guy catches the ball right before it hits the ground. Touchdown. West Boca wins. However, let's come back to this. Now, with this point, when West Boca scores that, they still have to score their extra point to take the W. They still have to, because if they don't, if they miss the extra point, I think at this time the score is 22-22. They still have to score the extra point for the win. Okay. But guess what happens? Atlantic high coaches gets another penalty. Another personal foul. I mean, unsportsmanlike conduct on the coaches. They rush the field. They're talking trash to the referees and it wasn't a touchdown, blah, 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 blah. Same thing. West Boca celebrating. So they get a penalty too. All right. Now let's say if Atlantic high coaches don't rush the field, um, now, West Boca has to kick not a regular extra point from 17 yards. Now they get a 15-yard penalty. Guess what? Add that on. You do the math, 15, 17, whatever it may be, 30-some yards. Okay, their kicker is not that great. They missed that. Atlantic has another opportunity to win that game and go in overtime. However, the coaches calls that game because they got a penalty West Boca got a penalty. Those penalties offset. So now that kicker is kicking the ball from the regular extra point spot. Guess what? He kicks that ball. West Boca sideline. West Boca crowd goes crazy. West Boca takes the W. That is the upset of the year. The most disappointing piece for me on that was seeing these young men from Atlantic, who I've coached and I've been around for the past four or five years. These kids are in tears. You know why? Because these kids left it out on the field. They left it out on the field and they know that they deserve to win that game. And however, due to the undisciplinary nature of the coaches, they lost that game. Kid came up to me. He was like, coach, what happened? He's crying. He's saying he's in tears. He's saying, how is it? How is it that we get punished? If we get an unsportsmanlike conduct, we get a penalty. He was like, but what happens to the coaches when they get an unsportsmanlike conduct and they get a penalty? He's asking me this in tears. And I just hugged him. I said, man, listen, you can't control that. You only can worry about it. Control what you can control and that you got to control yourself. The coaches, the coaches have to figure that out on their own. You know, and he wasn't trying to hear that at the time, but that's all I can tell him in the midst of this win. Now, at the same time, there's kids that I know on the West Boca side of the field, and I'm very cool with a lot of the coaches. One of my brothers over there coaching. Listen, West Boca coaches came prepared for that game. 
West Boca coaches came prepared for that game. They came out, they played aggressive. You know, they knew exactly who they wanted to take away. They knew exactly what they wanted to do. That's why they came out with that W. Atlantic High coaches, I think, very played very conservatively on the offensive side of the ball and on the defensive side of the ball. I think we had a lot of speed at the receiver side on Atlantic side. We did not try any deep passes. I think it's only one deep pass that we tried, which was a touchdown. I think that was the only pass over 15 yards, which ended up with a touchdown. That's the one to take the lead in the fourth quarter uh, with J.D. Patterson. However, um, you know, we just didn't take those shots with the speed and experience that you have on the receiver end and with the young, inexperienced nature on the secondary from, from the West Boca. We didn't take take advantage of those those chances. And also at the same time, on the defensive side, I think should have blitzed a little more, played a little more aggressively because you got experienced DBs that can cover the receivers from West Boca. And I don't think that really happened. Set back, played a lot of zone, didn't put pressure uh, on the quarterback. And listen, West Boca, they deserved it. They were well coached um, and they and they played very well. Those kids played very aggressive. I think they really earned a lot of respect this season. And if you go back to my first episode when I had Emily and Zay here and I said, listen, there's a team to watch. And I said that it was West Boca. Go back and watch because I've watched those kids practice. I, I know that coach. I know what he stands for. The coaching staff, all of the guys that's over. They're going to have those kids ready. All right. There's nothing to take away um, from the coaching staff at Atlantic. But however, I knew. Um, I wasn't surprised when they're in this situation, when they were in this situation, uh, those kids came out on top, man. So congratulations to Coach Potts and, and the West Boca Bulls on, on what they're doing over there. Uh, Cause think about it. That whole team comes back next year. That whole team, they're going to miss probably a few, but that Mecca of that team, they will be back. And those kids are coming. Atlantic is going to lose a lot of top notch seniors, but Atlantic will always rebuild. They will always have talent um, coming back in. Now, Going into this, I want to also talk about the underrated players. There are some underrated seniors um, in this class, class of 2024 from Palm Beach County uh, that I think been overlooked. And, and I think a lot of people will agree with me because these kids are stellar athletes. And I don't know what happened through their recruiting process, but this is just my, this is just how I feel about it. I truly think that the, what's happening on a college level with the transfer portal and with a lot of colleges going into the transfer portal to grab a lot of top athletes is hurting with the class of 2024. Because right now, yes, you had a great senior season. These kids did exactly what they they wanted to do individually. They probably didn't make their team goals, but individually they showcased their skill set on the field. All right. And they're doing it in the classroom. Now, but guess what? These colleges right now are not recruiting class of 24. They're already thinking about 25, 26, 27. That's where these offers are going for a lot of these top-notch schools. So the first kid that I say that I think is probably one of the most underrated players in, in Palm Beach County, Jadarius Patterson, plays receiver, play running back, plays safety, play linebacker, and he's elite kick returner. He does it all. The kid, he will knock your head off. He gets picks on the defensive side of the ball. He can he can take the top off of defense on the offensive side of the ball from the split end, from the slot position. You hand him the ball out of the backfield. You give him a swing pass. He will take it the distance. All right. The kid is on the field playing out with all out reckless and abandonment. And I truly think that this kid can play at any top power five school in the country. All right. However, right now, he... 
official offers. He doesn't hold any official offers. He doesn't. All right. So it's the best bet. And it is not his fault. He's doing everything he can. He's doing everything he can. You know, he transferred to, to Atlantic coming into his senior year. But when I tell you, hands down, he is the best athlete, coachable. He has it in the classroom. Everything that you want from an athlete, for what position he plays, he can do it. He has it. He was even out for I mean, he had a little uh, uh, ankle injury this year, probably set out one or two games. Um, but however, he still showcased his skill set and his talents. All right. The next kid, class of 24, Devin Connolly, another kid over the past two years that played both sides of the ball at Park Vista High School, played receiver, and he played cornerback. All right, this is this is one thing because you rarely see this, and I say this before, at the cornerback position in this area, a kid that can dominate, uh, let me say this, a little white kid that can dominate at a cornerback position. He'll come and tackle. Guess what? He'll, and he'll pick the ball off. He'll cover the best of them. All right. So he earned my respect, especially on the defensive side of the ball, playing against elite talent. Like you don't really judge kids when they're playing against just nobody's schools. But when they're playing, played against Carter Newman, locked down their five star, four star receiver, played against Palm Beach Central. They try to think they only caught they tried this out a couple of times. They only caught one pass against him. But even at the receiver side of the ball, guess what? He doesn't have that blazing four, 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 three, 40 speed. However, the kid is a football player. He's not tall, 6'1", 6'2", but he's a football player, all right? I would take him over a lot of DBs that we do have because when he's out there on that island, he's out there and he has the mindset. Defensive back itself, I said, is not a position. It's a mindset. You have to be out out there on that island saying that this is mine. When the ball is in the air, it is mine. You have to have that mindset, all right? You're out there on that island by yourself. You got to be able to tell your coach, I want to play the best receiver. I want to cover that guy. Devin is that kid. All right. And he can do it on either side of the ball. Coach, give me the ball on offense when they when a play needs to be happened. He showcased it against the top notch talent in the county. Some school is going to pick him up. I, I'm not saying that he's a power five kid whatsoever, but he's an FBS kid. He can go to Division two school, be a top notch athlete there because he's not tall. He doesn't have the size of a power five kid, but it's here. He has the heart. He has the mindset. He can play next level football. Um, and the kid is just a grinder. He is a grinder and he has the grades. All right. So next up, quarterback, A.J. Trillo, Spanish River. Kid came to Spanish River his senior year. He was at St. Thomas um, a couple years before. Kid came and lit it up. All right. That's a young team. Coach Ian Hadley did an awesome job. Turn it around the Spanish River program. I think for probably 10 years, they probably only won two games. However, but they came in this year and he he has some young talent there. He had a leader there, A.J. AJ um, Anthony, listen, the kid led led the state in passing yards probably up like all the way through three quarters of the season. Um, he lit it up. He's athletic. He can scramble. He's mobile. He throw the deep ball, throw it out. He can, he knows football. He he is a football student of the game. He has awesome grades as well. All right. So he's one of my other underrated kids. Now, the last one. Well, I got two more. Carl Lucian. I, I compare him to a runny lot. Uh, Brian Dawkins, he plays safety outside linebacker at Atlantic High. He is one that would take your head off. This kid flies downhill like a missile. All right. Carl's probably 5'9", 5'10", probably 185. He's an ox. He's strong as hell in, in the weight room. He's fast. He also can play running back. He has one offer right now with uh, with Georgetown. 
However, I truly think he's he's under recruited. Uh, and I think, too, is because of the position that he was playing at Atlantic. They had a more playing like a Sam or a Will linebacker. But I truly think that he's a strong safety. So some schools really wanted to see him man to man. And they wanted to see his field, you know, him being a field general and his spatial awareness out on the field. But him being in the box at Atlantic really hindered um, his recruitment because they didn't get a chance to really evaluate him at the safety position because he was too busy. I mean, they had him there at, at that linebacker position. A lot of times with the high school coach, high school coaches got to really decide on, listen, where do I put you to best help the team? But at the same time, how do I put you somewhere in another position to best help what you're going to be on the next level? All right. This year, I don't think that happened with, with Carl Lucian. I really don't think so. And I think that's what really hindered and slowed down his recruiting uh, process. The kids should be playing some top-notch college football uh, FBS, at an FBS program. The recruiting season still going on. The coach is going to work hard to really get him promoted. Hopefully something comes out of this where he end up playing where he really wants to play or at a school that he really feels that, you know, would best fit his position or whatever it may be. All right. The last one, kid Keon Steffen, man, out of uh, Palm Beach Gardens. When he he's almost on a level with J.D. Patterson uh, with me. And, and this is not in order, like saying top first, second, third, fourth. No, not at all. But he's on the same level as J.D. Patterson on what he was doing for Palm Beach Garden. This kid's coming in playing running back. He started at cornerback. Their, their first-string quarterback that they had somehow was not playing no more. So now he has to move from his normal position to go play the quarterback position. And guess what? He's doing it, and he's making plays. But quarterback is not his main position. He's just an athlete that can fill in, make plays when you need him to make plays, throw the ball here and there, but he's not a quarterback. All right, so... You think he's going to be recruited at quarterback? No, I think it hindered his his recruiting a little bit, a little bit because it, it took away from what he does naturally. Putting the ball in his hand at running back and let him do his thing is what he does. All right. Also, I've seen him go at cornerback and lock down some top notch receivers. So he's in the game. He's not coming off the field. He's doing kick return. He's doing it all. All right. So that kid, Keon Steph, out of Palm Beach Gardens. Uh, playing up under Coach Higgins. I know Coach Higgins don't work hard um, to get that kid somewhere and, and basically promote him because he is that top-notch elite talent. All right. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna leave it with this, kids, coaches. When you when you're going into high school and you're looking at recruiting, yes, there's a balance. Coaches, I mean, kids can't go and tell a coach what position they're gonna play on the high school level. That's not a good character trait whatsoever. You know, I, I tell my son, too, is like if they ask you what position you play, say, coach, I'll play wherever you want me to play. All right. That's the attitude to have. Now, there's a balance. Coaches, we got to be real. If this kid goal is to play college football somewhere, let's put him somewhere where he's going to be recruited at. You know, that's the biggest thing. Let's put him at a position where he's going to be recruited at so that he can help achieve his, his goal. Your goal is to win, win high school football games, go to a state title. So, yeah, you're going to want to put him there to achieve your goals. But there has to be a fine balance. There has to be a fine balance. Some coaches do it. Some coaches don't. All right. But coaches, you got to have that fine balance, giving these kids um, that exposure, promoting them to where they're going to be recruited at if their goal is to play college football and recruited at a certain position. All right. Thank you, guys. Signing off once again. Coach Jamel Stewart, 568 in your face. We out, baby. Peace.